This is June 18th, 2020, and uh, guess what I'll be talking about. The pandemic and the other god-awful things that are happening to the world. Uh, you know, it's very hard to ignore these things and and uh, just talk about uh, timeless matters of Zen and the Dharma. Um, and these things are not outside the Dharma. Uh, but in particular, um, I want to address uh, an email I got from a Sangha member this week uh, in which she said that she's just finds it's just very hard not to be depressed with all the news that we're getting. Um, and certainly it's understandable that anyone would feel some, at least some underlying dread or even despair at, at what's going on. We're going through four crises major crises layered on top of one another. Of course, there's the pandemic, the worst public health uh, crisis in a century, and and we're already seeing a resurgence uh, of it in, in almost half our states. So suddenly, if, if anyone who's taking this seriously, we're, we're seeing confirmation of what we've heard from epidemiologists for many weeks is that we may have a long way to go before we can live what we used to think of as normally. I've made peace. I'm bracing myself for the possibility that I may not be able to go back into Seven Arnold Park or Chapin Mill until a vaccine is widely available. And that could be a year. I'm just, I'm just repeating what I've heard over and over and over from epidemiologists. Um, and then number two, besides the pandemic, this, the economic repercussions, socio-economic repercussions of the pandemic, massive unemployment. This is just so concerning. I read somewhere that, uh, that drug and alcohol abuse and suicide uh, are the, 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 the best predictor of those things, what they sometimes call uh, diseases of despair. Uh, the best predictor is unemployment. And it's, it may get a lot worse. I mean, as it is, as it is, it's terrible. They say the worst since the, the Great Depression. The other day I heard that 50% of black adults are unemployed. One out of two. And even if the rate of unemployment 
goes down, starts to go down, or temporarily goes down. Uh, my concern is those who remain unemployed, even if the rate goes down, there are going to be tens of millions who will have to deal with extended unemployment, and that's when things really get bad. And just generally, as far as this second crisis, the economic, it's the worst economic indicators since the Great Depression. And this may just be the tip of the iceberg as for what's coming. Okay, number three, the raging political and class divisions that are opening up. These are like, like a like a, a crevasse in the Arctic uh, widening. Um, and then, just for good measure, climate change, which even this week uh, seems to be accelerating even, even more swiftly than scientists have dreaded. The world seems to be coming apart at the seams. So if ever there was a time to feel dread, it's now. It's, it's, uh, I heard something interesting. Uh, a Sangha member sent me a passage from a book he had read. Um, I, I, I'm afraid I don't know much more about than that. It's from a book um, where the author was talking about uh, depression in the time of pandemic. And this is what, this is the, the words that this Sangha member sent me from the book. A big thing I've been hearing during the pandemic is a fair number of depressed people doing miraculously okay through this because we've been preparing for this for a long time. That's the author speaking. And then the author continues, this is the world that a lot of saddies, S-A-D-D-I-E-S, as I call them in the book, have been living for a while. Interesting. I don't know what to make of that, but uh, it's worth reflecting on that people who have a tendency to depression uh, don't have as far to fall during the pandemic. But then there is just the, the very real problem that uh, this Sangha member, the earlier one who said she finds it hard to avoid depression through all this, uh, what to do about that. Well, as I think most people know, there are people, there are people who are just, have just more of a tendency to succumb to depression or who, who feel depression that they're as I understand it from my layman's uh, reading and hearing, 
uh, some people are just wired more, they're more wired for depression. You know, just as other people are more wired for anger or other emotions. So what do those people, uh, what do they do in the face of this perfect storm of things, these, this, these massive multiple earthquakes happening in all kinds of dimensions? Well, it's difficult. Uh, <coughs> I think of it as uh, the old the old problem of uh, while you're driving, you pass a uh, gory multi-vehicle accident. Um, we want to turn away, but may still find ourselves looking. And then we regret it. But still, we have to recognize that that our news consumption is a, a definitely a factor in our mood. And for people who want to protect themselves from depression or anger, they have to be very discriminating with with the news that they expose themselves to. And again, it's hard. Uh, it's maybe something, some, some more primitive uh, survival instinct there that we too, read too much news as a way of, we imagine, of protecting ourselves. And then we regret it until the next horrible news comes. If the news we expose ourselves to helps us decide how to take action, okay. So, for example, with a pandemic, um, to 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 be informed of um, public health news as it changes, the restrictions uh, we have to be mindful of, and recommendations, and what we can do uh, to protect others and ourselves okay let's be informed let's know uh what we can we can do uh, but if 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 news just piles up and sustains a dread in us and and offers really no path forward there's nothing we can do with the news we're not senators or presidents uh, then why would we want to just keep layering more dreadful news on us? Luckily, we have this practice of Zen meditation to, to um, fortify us, fortify our, our choice of what to expose ourselves to. And uh, let me cite two major, major benefits that come from Zen meditation. Maybe not just Zen, maybe other kinds of meditation too, but I can only talk about Zen, really. So what are the two things? 
first of all, through Zen meditation, Zazen, daily, daily Zazen, we learn that we we learn how to redirect our attention. So it's a matter of attention. How do we how do we use and not misuse our attention? And this is where we have some freedom. We we acquire freedom through learning how to how we can direct our attention. Our intention too. We don't have to just mindlessly gobble up uh, all the news that streams across our field. Uh, we can be sensible and and learn that uh, some may be worthwhile, but how much really? And so it's the same in in uh, in the zendo. While we're sitting, we learn that we don't have to be chewing on our thoughts all the time, that when, when we notice that we're straying into thoughts, we can swing that flashlight beam of attention back to the realm of no thought. The breath, the koan, shikantaza. That's our freedom. It's like having a, a flashlight on in a dark room. We can flick it up down, to the left, to the right. We can. We have. That's our freedom. Why would we want to keep it trained on some ghastly sight that we can do nothing about? Let's get it back to no thought, get it back to no news. I'm suddenly uh, remembering what... uh, Thoreau said, was it Thoreau? Uh, Read not the times, read the eternities. That's what we're doing when we're directing our attention away from thoughts and away from news into this realm of no mind, which is the realm of the eternal. So attention, how we use or misuse our attention this is something that, uh, as far as I can tell, just grows and grows, develops endlessly the longer we practice. The other, the other thing we can do, the other thing that happens, it's not even doing, the other thing that happens through long Zen practice is we acquire a different perspective. We see things differently. This is huge. You could say this is everything. Because we know from that line in Affirming Faith and Mind that things are things because of mind. It's not like there's just some world out there that is what it is. There is no out there. It's all is comes through. It's processed through the mind. And this is the fundamental premise of meditation is by by changing the mind, by seeing into the mind through daily zazen, 
it changes and it changes our perspective on things. Yes, uh, there's all, there are always things we can do. It's not simply about perspective. We're called upon to do things or not do things, but so much of it, so much of, well, getting back to depression or anger, so much of it, besides where our attention is going, is uh, just seeing things differently. This is this is what becomes so dramatically uh, obvious in Sashin, simply because we're doing whatever, 8, 10, 12 hours of sitting a day. We see that we're not changing anything, uh, and yet things change because we're seeing things differently. So, as Zen practitioners, we don't have to just suffer with these all of these terribly challenging things that are arising altogether. Um, we can train ourselves to how to use our attention, how we direct our attention, and and by by and by uh, our perspective changes. We see things differently. This is what draws people back to Sashin. Time and time again is we discover that mind is everything. Well, that's all I have for today. Uh, this Sunday, in this Sunday's Tay Show, I'm going to offer uh, a more balanced perspective, and there it is, on uh, everything that's happening now. Uh, I've been reading about some very hopeful, completely unexpected things that are happening, big, massive changes for the better that are happening in the midst of, of all of this terrible news. So uh, see you then.